This is Francis Silvaggio, and you are listening to Passion for Health. This is your opportunity to hear from Alberta Health Services, physicians, and other healthcare providers, researchers, policymakers, community partners, and patients to hear their stories and insights about what's happening to improve Albertans' confidence and satisfaction in their healthcare system. Today's guests are Dr. Carrie Novak, a gastroenterologist and medical lead for Quality Assurance, and Dr. Eddie Lang, clinical department head for AHS Emergency Medicine and the Coming School of Medicine at the University of Calgary. They're working together on a provincial initiative to improve the way emergency departments treat gastrointestinal bleeding by increasing communication between emergency and gastroenterology, promoting patient safety, and enhancing access to outpatient services. This work is in partnership with Choosing Wisely Canada, a campaign to help physicians and patients engage in healthy conversations about potentially unnecessary tests, treatments and procedures, and help physicians and patients make smart and effective choices to ensure high quality care. Dr. Novak, why don't we start off with what is upper gastrointestinal bleeding? So gastrointestinal bleeding is uh, an area we face uh, in medicine very commonly. I'm a gastroenterologist uh, based principally at the Foothills Medical Center. This is a a challenge that we see uh, in patients where they have blood from their upper GI or gastrointestinal tract, which can be caused from a myriad of things. One of the most common causes we see is an ulcer or an erosion that can be present present either in the stomach or the first part of the small bowel called the duodenum. Patients present in all sorts of different ways. Sometimes they can actually vomit blood. It can look bright red, it can look dark like coffee grounds, and other patients have a change in their bowel habit where they pass very dark, sometimes malodorous stools that tell them something is amiss. Generally in gastroenterology, there's a range of presentations for this and we often investigate patients with a a scope or an endoscopic examination where we insert a camera into the back of their throat, enter it through their esophagus and their upper GI tract and we can instill medicine and treat these problems in addition to um, other uh, physicians who see them in the emergency department. Is this a common problem? Sure is. It's actually the seventh most common reason in Alberta for admitting patients into the hospital. So a very common problem we see in the province uh, 7,000 patients coming to hospital requiring, half of them requiring admission uh, just in this last year. Uh, So it's a big problem, it's quite common and I would add that given the aging of the population and the fact that more and more people are taking blood thinners for a variety of reasons, especially to prevent stroke if they have an irregular heartbeat. We're seeing more and more cases of uh, stomach bleeding or GI bleeding. And so is there a big difference in the approach that various facilities, even various specialists, um, use when treating these right now? Yeah, that's one of the things that we noticed which uh, led us to this, uh, to this project. Um, we looked uh, using data from Alberta Health Services, looking at the admission rate, meaning if you, know, if you have 100 patients coming to the emergency department with this problem, what percentage are brought into the hospital for treatment investigations? And what we found was that there was quite a significant variation. Uh, we saw some patients 
uh, some hospitals admitting upwards of 70% of their patients, whereas some were admitting uh, close to 50%. So that got us thinking, uh, is there something going on here? Are the hospitals treating this problem differently? Another thing that we noticed is that um, some of the hospitals were admitting patients for a very short period of time, under 24 hours. And as you know, um, in a public health system, hospital beds are very precious. And we were asking ourselves, if they're being admitted for such a short period of time, did they really need to come into hospital? Or could uh, measures have been taken to have them undergo testing on an outpatient basis, for example, going to a clinic uh, or to a endoscopy or a GI lab on the next day to have their test done. Um, so, Dr. Novak, what is being done uh, to help improve this practice? I think it's currently going on at the Foothills Medical Center. So it's a great question. Given the variability that we see in patients who present with gastrointestinal bleeding, we as practitioners need to speak the same language. So one of the things that we have identified as a useful tool to help make decisions around patients is a risk stratification score that helps practitioners decide how sick patients are because we can't see into the gastrointestinal tract when patients present, this gives us a sense of how sick they are. And there are simple clinical uh, aspects of the score that can be easily applied at the bedside, such as what is the presenting heart rate and what is the systolic blood pressure? What is the presenting hemoglobin? And are there factors in the blood that signal that there may be an upper GI bleed? This can be distilled down into a very simple risk score that then translates into a sense for the clinician of how, how sick that patient is. I think the second really important point is that often you need more than one specialty involved in a patient's care. So the patient may first uh, encounter an emergency room physician and then quickly may then meet a gastroenterologist who can then work with the eMERGE physician to decide what the best care is for that patient. So firstly, the common language, and then secondly, the multidisciplinary approach is very impor important for best care. So what we've done at the Foothills uh, is uh, create a working group focused really on involving the key stakeholders that play a role in the care of these patients, both emergently and those patients who, be, who get admitted to hospital, so that we can all come together and decide upon what is best for those patients. So I think we're trying to speak the same language so that we know where the patient can go. Do they need to come into hospital? Can they be safely discharged home? And then and with this uh, collaborative working group, what is the best way to provide care for these patients? So what are some of the ways that you're working to improve patient care in this specific area? So once we have a risk score for a patient and we've decided on how sick that patient is, we have developed a disposition guideline, which is essentially what is the best pathway for this patient to follow for the best outcome. So for example, if the patient's risk score is zero or one, very low, they would likely 
best be discharged home and they may or may not need follow-up with a gastroenterologist. Alternatively, if their risk score is quite high, then gastroenterology may be engaged quite early and the decision to, to uh, perform endoscopy for that patient may be undertaken sooner than later. In addition to that, based on some excellent work that one of the uh, emergency room physicians conducted with a student uh, looking at a retrospective chart review and outcomes for patients uh, based on their Glasgow Blatchford score, a very clear pathway was developed looking at patients with a range of Glasgow Blatchford scores to try to guide where they would be best admitted to and what service. And we feel this would be an excellent tool to help communication amongst physicians and best guide where patients would be best admitted. Is there a role for patients to play within this, this process? We uh, recently received some funding from the Chief Medical Officer to look at how physicians make a decision around disposition and management uh, for patients with upper gastrointestinal bleeding. And a very important part of that is an assessment of patient satisfaction and how they feel and understand about their care in the emergency department. So you highlight a very important part of this piece, which is the patient, the center of it actually, and their perceptions around their care are very important. Uh, I agree completely with with that. Um, the way uh, we can look at choosing wisely in an emerging area called shared decision making is to use the tool to explain to patients who are in the gray zone what their risk is of having something bad happen to them. And this can help engage patients in discussions and their families in the emergency department to say, look, Based on the score that we're, we're trying to implement, we know that you have a 1% or a 2% chance of having something bad happen to you because of this bleed, whether it be requiring a transfusion or requiring an intervention or a treatment through the endoscopy. And it's really uh, for us to decide together whether you are comfortable going home and having this test tomorrow or the next day or whether you feel, even though that risk is 2%, you would feel more comfortable for you or your loved one to stay in the hospital. So there's definitely shared decision-making there. What is the, the big picture goal here? Is it to improve how patients in emergency are handed off to other services? To some degree, it's uh, improved collaboration and improved communication, but that's really the method to get to the end game. The end game is that in GI bleeding, in stomach bleeding, we believe there's a situation at hand where the current practice, the current variation in practice, is not only giving us inefficiency and waste, but it's leading to worse patient outcomes. And by that, I'm maybe more specifically referring to the transfusion piece. One of the big uh, thrusts of the project is to have physicians think about and engage patients in discussions around whether they need to receive a blood transfusion for their stomach bleeding. And if I can expand on that a little bit, it's really uh, about a number of societies around Canada and the world that have come out with specific recommendations that patients and physicians should be asking each other, especially patients, to see whether they're getting the best possible care. And transfusion medicine, which is a specialty in Canada, specifically came out with recommendations that if a transfusion is required 
one unit should often suffice, whereas a common practice is to give two units off the bat. And another recommendation is to not follow an arbitrary cutoff or a hemoglobin level on a blood test to drive the decision for whether the transfusion is required. And what we know from science, recent studies, is that although you would think that a patient who has had a stomach bleed, who's lost blood, would benefit from transfusion, we're actually seeing that if you are liberal or non-restrictive in how you order the transfusions and you're focusing simply on getting the patients back to a normal hemoglobin level, you're actually doing more harm than good. And that's strange to think about because they've lost blood, but we also need to bear in mind that a lot of the patients we're talking about are elderly, they have heart difficulties, and their hearts don't work as well as they did when they were in their 40s or 50s, and giving them blood transfusions causes heart attacks, causes infections, and causes heart failure. So choosing wisely, which is now um, very much in partnership with the Alberta Medical Association, there are guidelines coming out on how to manage anemia and people who need blood transfusions. The focus is to get patients and doctors to think about, do I really need to give a blood transfusion here? Because there are alternatives. We can give iron through an intravenous. We can give iron through tablets. It doesn't work as well, but it may often be in the best interest of the patient to take that more conservative approach and leave that black bag of blood in the blood bank. Now, we've mentioned choosing wisely a few times up until this point. What exactly is that? Choosing Wisely uh, started in the U.S. Uh, only about four or five years ago through uh, a magazine, actually, called Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports are the same people who tell us if we should buy dishwasher X or dishwasher Y, but they also got into the business of thinking that what we need in healthcare is a more engaged and a more critical patient thinking not that everything the doctor is recommending is necessarily what they need to do, but getting them involved to ask questions about whether they really need what is being offered. And as Choosing Wisely grew, uh, it's now uh, across the world and dozens and dozens of specialties have taken it up. All specialties realize, whether it's emergency medicine or gastroenterology or family, all, all, we all realize that there are things we do that don't have very good value, that uh, are wasteful and may even do more harm than good. So the principle behind choosing wisely is that every group of specialists comes together and decides what are the five things that we should really question or that our patients should really question us about. And uh, that's where um, things have were born and how they've taken off. So um, the Choosing Wisely website is uh, available to, uh, has lots of resources on it and lots of tips for patients and for doctors. And you'll find there, whether it's for cardiology or for, endo for, for diabetes specialists, a list of five things that uh, physicians and doctors should, and patients should question when they're being offered or told that they need this. Have we found that that type of patient-doctor collaborative approach is effective? It's early days, um, and I think it's, it's 
you know, I think a common sense and an ethical thing, uh, we are just beginning now to see some science around this. There's a paper, there's a group in the U.S. that's using these principles to help patients in the emergency department who are having chest pain to decide together as a team whether they need to come into the hospital or not. And it's quite an elaborate system. They're presented with uh, very careful information, very visually easy to interpret, so that they can understand what the risks and the benefits are associated with each decision. And they've shown that by using that approach, a shared decision-making approach, based on choosing wisely principles, that they can actually uh, improve care, make care more efficient, and save the system a lot of resources. So specific to this GI project, that work is currently being done at the Foothills Medical Center. Is this something that can be expanded provincially? Yes, in fact, uh, part of our research grant through uh, the Alberta Innovates Health Solutions and Alberta Health Services is to scale this up to five other hospitals which represent all of the uh, major regions in Alberta. And working with the provincial quality improvement leaders, we are going into each site. We're actually going into the Royal Alex next Thursday to work with a multidisciplinary team of eMERGE docs, gastroenterologists, uh, internal medicine specialists who admit people to the hospital to show them the great work that Dr. Novick's been leading uh, at the foothills, bring it to them, and present it as a template for which they will be making their own pathway and their own locally useful set of uh, guidelines or practice points that will help address all of these issues. What is the role of the Emergency Strategic Clinical Network within this project? The uh, Emergency Strategic Clinical Network, soon to be joined uh, by the Gastroenterology um, Strategic Clinical Network, is a multidisciplinary group that's trying to improve care across the province in emergency departments by uh, collecting data, setting policy, interviewing patients to find out about their uh, experience. It's um, a model that's taken from Australia a little bit where there's a view, and I think it's a logical one, that you achieve more by collaborating, sharing ideas, working together than by working in silos of hospitals. So one of the examples around this is that um, the Emergency Strategic Clinical Network has invested heavily in answering some key questions around gastro-GI bleeding. Uh, they've taken work uh, involving librarians and other experts and set up a series of important questions that uh, stomach specialists as well as emergency doctors ask themselves when they're treating a GI bleed patient and have answered, answered these in a very systematic way. And these documents, which contain all of the current answers that have been approved widely by a whole bunch of stakeholders, are part of the, I guess, the... Uh, I wouldn't call it the Bible, but there it's, it's sort of like um, a standard of practice. And we believe that if the way those questions have been answered lead to practice change, we'll see better patient outcomes and we'll see a much more efficient system. This collaborative approach, why do you think it's so important from that clinical perspective? 
I would just echo what Dr. Lang just said and really each of us come from a bit of a different perspective and what we bring to the patient um, uh, reflects our specialty and and our day-to-day -day lives and what we want is to improve communication and outcomes for patients so that they receive the best care possible and I think when we work together we can achieve that uh, uh, the most effectively and efficiently. So from a clinical perspective and we're always goal-oriented what would you consider success when it comes to this project? So I think measurement is a key part of any initiative and so prospective measurement is a fundamental part of this project and so we're looking at all sorts of different parameters specific to the emergency department such as length of stay, need for admission, where they go once they're admitted, uh, the time to making that decision if they're admitted, all of those are very important metrics f reflecting flow and function of the emergency department which we need uh, to function well if we want to have a, an acute care facility that, 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 that's working well. The other aspects are patient outcomes specific to their GI bleeding, which reflect the uh, cause or etiology of the gastrointestinal bleed, the need for intervention, the need for blood transfusions, um, and and how those patients do uh, what once they're admitted to hospital or whether they go home. Finally, patient satisfaction is an important part of this, um, and uh, uh, that is also being measured. What's the timeline for these measurements? We are going to do a six-month uh, period where we're actively measuring all of these uh, metrics, uh, and we are also surveying uh, both GI and emergency room physicians to try to understand how they make decisions and so that we can develop tools to best support them. Is there anything else that you would like to say about this? Well, I think maybe one way to bring this home is to uh, tell a little story about a patient. And so uh, we had in our emergency department uh, a young man uh, in his early 20s who was brought in uh, with his family. They were very concerned about stomach bleeding. Uh, the young man had uh, eaten out and started vomiting. And then after two or three vomiting episodes, he noticed a little bit of blood in the vomit. And uh, this was quite concerning, and the family was very appropriate in bringing the the, the, their son into the hospital. And there was something of an expectation or a thought from the family that, you know, we needed to know what was going on. Was there a, a bleeding ulcer? Was there a, a tear in the esophagus? Why was their son uh, bleeding? Um, when we looked at all of the results and we looked at the, the blood pressure and all of the things that went into this score that we referred to earlier, we noted that although there was some blood that they had seen in the vomit, um, the score, the Glasgow Blatchford score was actually zero. And I think without that, there might have been a, a, a tendency for the practicing emergency physician to call the gastroenterologist on call and arrange one of these endoscopy tests. Um, and, and that would have been perhaps okay, but maybe not the best use of resources. With, armed with the Glasgow Blatchford score and the knowledge that 
the patient was actually in a very safe place and not in any danger from the stomach bleeding, uh, we were able to reassure the patient and their family that despite having seen the blood, they were not in a dangerous situation and an endoscopy was not necessary. So it's by bringing these kinds of uh, scientific advances to patient care and standardizing the care that we think uh, we can make improvements through this project. This is Francis Silvaggio, and you've been listening to Passion for Health, produced by Alberta Health Services. You can follow us at ahs.ca backslash podcast to add your comments. We'd love to hear from you.